This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas Vayishlach, 5780. So we're dealing with this Pasuk, Parag Lamed Gimel Pasuk Gidzayim. Yaakov Nasa Sukosa, Yaakov traveled to Sukos, even Lobayas, and he built a house there, and for his cattle, he made Sukos, Alkain, Karshim Makom Sukos. Therefore, he called the name of this area Sukos. That's what the Pasuk says. So again, he traveled to Sukos, built a house, made Sukos for his cattle, and that's why he called the Sukos. So there's a lot here. The main question we should be asking on the Pasuk is why we need to know this. Who cares that Yaakov built a building here, and why does it come right after this meet and greet that he had with Esau? It seems like nothing else happened in this area, so why are we mentioning it at all? Based ale, at least you have a couple things where he made him his back, etc. What's with Sukkos, and why do we have to mention it? So the Malbin, the Chidah, the Chsam Sofer, the Pardis Yosef quotes two different people in the Miam answer this question beautifully. They say that Esau just offered Yaakov the greatest deal of all time. Come with me to Seir, he told him. I'm going to then split everything I have in Olam Hazet with you. I'll provide you with half of my money and property, and in exchange for that, all you're going to do is provide me with Olam Haba. You chose Olam Haba, and I chose Olam Hazet, so let's split with each other. And Yaakov Avinu said no. He wanted no partners with him because he didn't care for Olam Hazet one bit. Of course it would make things easier for him, but that's not what he cared for. In the end, Asa went away. Yaakov stayed in this area for a bit, and this ended up being a sign for his children. Adam will always try to partner with us in some way, and we must continue to say no no matter what they do to us for it. The hint is that immediately after this discussion, Yaakov built a bias for his family. They can sit and they can learn permanently. For his cattle, he made Sukkos, temporary huts, showing that he did not care for physical possessions as much as he did for his spiritual development. So the bias is for his spiritual development, and for his mikneu, in other words, his money, and all the physical things that he has in Olam Hazeh, that I don't care as much. And that's why the area was called Sukkos, because that's what he thought of this world. It's temporary. Well, what do I need this for? That's Vayavu Yaakov Shalim. After he had done that, he had perfected himself. Everything came out in the best way possible. The Chidah adds that this is why it says, even though bias, the low is extra to show that all he cared about was the bias he was making for himself in the next world. Sukkos is, missed, is missing both of them because he didn't care for Olam Hazah at all. He was missing things in Olam Hazah. That's why in the middle of the Pasuk it says Sukkos without the Vavs and the end of the Pasuk says Sukkos with the Vav. As if he couldn't care less. And not only that, but the city was called Sukosa in the beginning with an added hey. Yaakov was challenging the Satan, says the Chida. Did not want the Satan to be involved in anything in his life. Sukos is the Gematra 480 without the Vavin, which is the same as Tough Pay, which stands for all the meters that did in the world. It's the concept of bringing all the... Uh, Sophie Tevis of all the letters, the Mem, the Nun, the Pei Sophies, the Tzadi Sophies, and the... Chafsofis, and putting them together in the Natsbach, and that's the Midas that in the world he was mavatlet by adding in hay to Sukos and calling the Sukosa, thus weakening its power. By turning to 485, he's able to knock it down. That's how the Chida puts it, and that's what the Belzer Rebbe goes into as well over here. The Tzolotavis is simple. You know what the difference is between a house and everything else? When people are home, they need certain things to be comfortable. It's as if they can't live without them. When a person travels, you survive. You survive. I have a pillow that I always use in my house that I got, you know, that was an awesome deal, and I have it. I, I can't sleep without that pillow. I, I have certain, there are certain things that I like drinking, Coke, Snapple, whatever it is, where if I'm somewhere and I can't give that up, it's just not the same. But this is the idea. You are willing to forgo any amenities you might have at home because you know you have to be somewhere. That's all Maza. You give up certain things because you know there's somewhere to go afterward. You know you're just on the way there. And that's when you obviously bring up the famous story, the Chafetz Chaim, the man who came in and asked him where his furniture is and 
the Chavetz Chaim said, where's your furniture? And he said, Rebbe, I'm traveling. And the Chavetz Chaim said, yes, I'm traveling too. And that concept, the idea of what he's trying to say is that when you're willing to do certain things, anything could happen. It makes sense now why Sukkot was given to us in the Sukkot of Yaakov Avinu. He's the one who stands for Olam Haza being temporary. So it makes a ton of sense that he would give us the mitzvah of Sukkot more than anything else. That Sukkot is in the Sukkot of Yaakov Avinu being staying away from all the Gashmias and Olam Haza. Rashi tells us, now this is the second part altogether, Rashi tells us based on Megillah, Yudzayim, and Alf, that Yaakov was in this area for 18 months. The word bias is used once, the word Sukkot twice, Bias represents what Yaakov made during the winter months to be able to protect himself, and Sukkos are what he made for the fu- summer months. Now, there's a couple problems with this, Rashi. The Mizrahi points out, it's clear for the Pasuk that Bias and Sukkos were made at the exact same time. Even though Bias will make Neos and Sukkos, so it's clear that he made it at the same time. One for the people, one for the animals. Second of all, the first and third mentions of the word Sukkos are called the area. We're not referring to a whole new Sukkah. And if anything, it's three Sukkos, not two. So why are we calling it two Sukkos? Rashi came to explain Pshat in the Pasuk, not the most complicated answer. Why would he choose this as the explanation of the Pasuk? This simple explanation of the Pasuk is clearly talking about what he made for himself and for the animals. It seems to be very strange that Rashi would go that way. That's how the Mizrahi puts it. The Marshal. And the Torah to me might answer the second question as the first and the third words by saying that Rashi did not darshan the extra word Sukkos. He darshaned the word Sukkos as plural. That it's Sukkos, plural, and bias, singular. So it was two times the amount he spent in the bias. But Rashi doesn't sound like that. It definitely sounds from Rashi that he's referring to two mentionings of the word Sukkos. Targum Yonas and Benuziel actually says that he stayed in the area for 12 months, not 18. And it's clear because he just had one bias and one sukos. And there isn't a second mention of the word sukos. And the word sukos is not necessarily plural. In fact, as we mentioned before, there's two vavs missing. Targum Yonas and Benuziel says that it was 12 months altogether, not 18. It seems that that's the idea that you'd have to have in Rashi as well. Either way, Kitzur Mizrahi and the Bear Hetev. And they both say it's likely, the only reason we mention this, whether it was 12 or 18 months in the first place, to help us understand why he was punished for staying away from Yitzchak Avinu for 22 years. He stayed with Levin for 20 years. That we know about. We have no question about that. But he was punished for 22 with Yosef. We don't know what happened during the other two. Maybe this could answer 18 months of it. So the reason why Rashi brings this up is that you understand why later on he was punished for 22 years when he only stayed away for 20. Here's 18 months and then 6 months in base L. That's why he was punished for 22 years altogether. We're going to get to later why he did this. Medjish Rabba Perik Ayin Ches Tazayan says the other six months he spent in Basel during this time, and again, this depends on the Girs of the Medrash Rabbah, and the Girs of the Medrash Rabbah that I have, it says he did this in Basel, but in the Maharzav and some of the others, it says in the bottom that this was really in Sukkos. He continued to send gifts to Esau to keep him happy and to keep him away. Only after all this did he feel comfortable enough to go back to Eretz Yisrael. According to Rabbi Avin, he continued doing this. He didn't go back for seven years. That's how he says the Ephetar here says that way in the Miamloids as well. It could be nine years altogether, seven years after this, and nine years altogether that he didn't go back to Eretz because he was scared of Esav. Although it seems that it could be that he was referring to the seven years that he spent in Esav's, in Lavan's house, that he was sending him gifts. That's a little weird because it would have been six years. Either way, regardless... It's possible that he was sending those tributes and gifts to Esau the entire time to be able to make sure that he was giving it over, that Esau was going to be okay, and he wasn't going to have any problems with him. So that's a possibility why later on we're going to see why he didn't go back right away. As We'll talk about that a little bit later on. He was still going to be scared of him. During this time, Yaakov brought many korbanos and many nisuchim as well. And the Medrash says, someone who knows how much wine he poured out to make libations to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all the goodness he was given at Olam Hazah, he knows how big the Meitveria is, how big the Kinneret is with all the water. That's how much wine he ended up pouring out. The Guraye says, in order to sort of go through it, he says, maybe Rashi had a problem with the, that the Orachayim HaKadosh brings up later on. Why would you name this area 
after the sucos he made for the animals? Why wouldn't you name it after the bias that he made for the people? And maybe and the answer is because the majority of time he spent in the area was during the summer when they lived in sucos because it was the majority 12, month, 12 months in sucos and only six months in a bias. Maybe that answers up what he did. Even though he made the sucos for the animals, since the people spent their time there in those sucos during the hot summer months, therefore it was their main house during that time, therefore we called sucos the 12 months. But then why would it mention the house before the sucos if that was what was made first? If you were there for... Again, six months of the summer, and then six months of the winter, and then six months of the summer. Why does it say by even low bias, Ulumikneos Asukos? It should say Ulumikneos Asukos by even low bias. That's what it should say. So here's how the Gurariya seems to understand the Pasuk. He says, Yaakov made temporary housing for himself and the animals the first summer they got there. There was no need for the Pasuk to mention that. Why mention it? It's obvious that they had to have some type of shelter, so they made some type of Sukos for themselves and for the animals when they first got there. When winter came, he built houses, knowing they would have to be there longer because because there was no way for them to travel with all those sheep and all those goats and all those cows throughout the winter months. Next summer, he had more animals born, so he had to build new sukos for those animals. It must have been for at least 18 months, because Levi was 13 when they arrived at Shechem. He was called an Ish then, so he must have been 13. He was only 11 at best when they left Lavan. So they must have spent two years in Sukkos and Basel. So how how do we can figure out how they had two years in Sukkos and Basel? 18 months are right over here. That's how the Gurai understands it, and it makes a ton of sense that way. But the Be'er Basada adds four more questions to the equation. Number one, you don't build Sukkos for animals. You build Gidros Tzon, you build Riftos. Sukkos are for people. That's number one. Number two, why would he build a house there when he was planning on going home? Even when he bought land in Shechem to live in, it says not to Shamalo. He didn't build a house. Why would he build a bias, which is so permanent in this area or over there? Number three, the puzzle must be coming to teach us something. But what, what's the puzzle coming to teach us? seems to be weird. Number four, seven, why does the Pasuk say the name of the area was Sukkos before he built the Sukkos as well? Before he built those Sukkos, right? Al-Kain Karshmon Sukkos. It was already Yaakov Nasa Sukkosa. So Berbaz says, says a brilliant thing. He says the word Sukkos in the beginning of the Pasuk, Yaakov Nasa Sukkosa, is not referring to the area of Sukkos. It's referring to the time period when he left. He left Lavan in the spring when everybody made Sukkos to dwell in. Sukkos is not a place. Sukosa is not a place. It indicates the time when he left because he had so many kids and animals. He spent six months on the road during that summer till he came to a place where he had to settle down for the winter. And in order to settle down for the winter there, because again, his animals were so vast and because of his kids, etc., he stayed there and built a bias. He stayed there for another summer and built Sukkos for his family and his animals to be protected from the sun and left toward the end of that summer to go to base Ale, spent six months in base Ale, and then traveled back to Eretz Yisrael, made it back to Eretz Yisrael, with Shechem being the first stop, right, at the beginning of the next spring. Since he left when they were living in Sukkos, right, at the very, very end, they named the area Sukkos. So the first Sukkos refers to not the place, but rather the time period. The second Sukkos refers to why they named it that way, because they left at that time when they had Sukkos. He didn't spend 18 months in Sukkos, according to this. According to the Bear study, he spent 12 months in Sukkos and six months beforehand traveling to that area. Now, Targum Yenizmanuzil isn't arguing on Rashi. It's the same drasha. Rashi makes it sound very more obvious. I, I think that's a pure shot in Rashi to be able to understand what Rashi was saying, that it's 12 months, really, and six months on the road, and that's why we don't mention Sukkos in the first place, and Sukkos is referring to the time period, not referring to the actual place. We don't know why he chose this area. We have no idea exactly where it is. The Ravaria Kaplan, the Living Torah, says he does know where it is, and he mentions a place. It could be it's the same Sukkos mentioned in Yoshua, Perak Yud, Gimel, Pasuch, Zion, which is east of the Jordan River in the area that belonged to Sichon. It's possible it's the same place. Norman says it's likely it was just a random place, but something that was already settled. No, I'm sorry. 
not somewhere that was already settled. That's why he was able to name it later and why he had to build infrastructure there. It seems that the Chamim and the Mechilta, Parshish Bo, Parkyadalit, argue and say it was certainly called Sukkos before him. Yaakov just confirmed the name. But the Ramban says clearly it was just a random place that nobody had ever lived in before. So what was this house that he built for himself? The bias that he built for himself. So Rashi seemed to indicate that it was a shelter for him during the wintertime. And Targum Yonasil, Targum Yonasil argues, he says it wasn't just a house. It was a base medrash for him and his children. Maybe his duties as chief shepherd for love and didn't allow him to teach his children the way they wanted to. And now that he was going back, he wanted to take the opportunity to do so properly and to be able to make them learn, make them learn. So he sat down, made a base medrash for himself and allowed the kids to get everything they needed. The Rinas Yitzhak suggests that just like Yaakov hid from Esav in the base medrash of Aver for 14 years before going to Haran, and he hid from him. He was able to hide there. He did so again after he met Esav and hid in a base medrash in order to fortify himself. After all, Chazal tells in Yuma, Chav of me a man shall have from the days of our fathers, Lil Parsha Yeshiva Mehem, they never left Yeshiva. They never stopped being in Yeshiva. So maybe that's the idea. They had to make a base medrash to hide from Esav and to make sure that that's there. The Tambadas, Rosh Hashanah says, goes very well with the Malvim above. If he cared very little about Olamaza, he only wanted a Baizan Olamaba, then it makes sense that the house that he built for himself was really a base medrash. The Ramban says this very well may have been a huge tower and fortress just in case Esav came back. He didn't trust his brother no matter what he said, so the first order of business was there to protect himself. He made a large fortified house for himself and he left his cattle and his sheep in huts outside. That's the first thing that he did to make sure that he was going to be okay. So the bias was actually a fortress or a tower to be able to protect himself. The Torah Tamima says it makes sense to him that the word Sukkos would never have been used to describe shelter for animals. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would Sukkos be used? As we said above, you'd say Gidretzon, you'd say Arefes Bucker, you wouldn't use the word Sukkos. So it must be it's referring to what Yaakov made for his family in the summer, and that answers Rashi. Meaning, why did Rashi think that it refers to 18 months over anything else? It's because there's no way you'd make a Sukkah for these, these animals themselves. But then why would it say Ulamiknehu? Why would it say that way? If that's what it was, it was really for himself, Ulamiknehu was a Sukkos? Says the Torah to me, I don't get it. Why would why would it say that he made it for the cattle? Maybe it's because the animals were the reason why Yaakov had to delay in this area in the first place. Like we said from the Bear Basada, the reason why they took six months of the road was because of the animals and they couldn't handle it. So therefore they had to do something to be able to keep them, you know, aligned with the with with I don't know, just to keep them alive, etc. So maybe because the animals were the reason why Yaakov had to delay in this area and had to settle down and couldn't travel forward and couldn't go back to Yitzhak Avinu so quickly. Maybe that's why he called it Sukkos. To say this is why I couldn't go back because of Sukkos. There's a reason and I couldn't go back. And I guess this answers as to why he couldn't go back immediately because of the animals themselves. And Nativ says the exact same thing, that he couldn't go back because of the Sukkos. And that's why he named it Sukkos, but adds that Yaakov was punished for this. His reasons were somewhat valid. He knew that his animals wouldn't make it any further without rest, but he shouldn't have delayed meeting his father just because his animals were ailing. He should have gone ahead and done that. So now, this is our second reason reason as to why he delayed. The first reason that we mentioned above was the Medrash Rabbah. The way the Medrash Rabbah says it above was that during this time he was afraid of Esau, so he kept sending him gifts and made sure that Esau would not come after him. This is our second reason. The second reason is, is because he was worried about the animals. Or Chaim and Tamed is another reason. He says, Yaakov didn't want Esau to think he fooled him. And if he would have gone immediately back to his father, Esau would know he was lying when he said he wanted to go slowly and meet him later. Therefore, he slowed down completely, stayed in one area for a while until Esau was long gone, only then went back to his father. So even though he got punished for it, but he had a reason for it, he wanted to stay away from Esau.
And the Amlois gives a fourth reason. The reason why he didn't go back immediately is he spent all this time in Sukkot's Vesel doing business, trying to make more money so that he would be able to sit and learn Torah for a long time afterward. That's what every Baal Nefesh wants, which makes a lot of sense. Then in Parshas Vayeshev, the next week's Parsha, Vayeshev Yaakov, Parsha says, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev Veshalva. He thought he was done. He did all his work. He did all his business. He has his kids. He thought, I'm done. Now I can sit down and learn. And, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you can't have Shalva. That's not the type of tzaddik that you are. Not like Afrovidu had yeah, I would say 40 years altogether of being able to sit and learn during those 40 years while he's with Keturah and the six kids that were born, etc. That's not Yaakov's job and therefore it had to change. Okay, new thing. Torah Shlema. He brings an opinion, this is Menachem Kasha, that this hints to the Anane HaKavod that surrounded his family and his flocks while he was in this area so he was fully protected at all times. Sukkos was not just referring to actual huts that he made. It refers to those Anane HaKavod that he had around them. Balitosis point out that the first Masa of B'nai Yisrael when they left Egypt was Sukkos. A different Sukkos, because that was all the way down by Egypt, and this is up by the Jordan River. But it seems that's where they got their Anani Akavod. Maybe that's Misa of Osimulabanim, just like Yaakovino traveled and immediately was protected by the Anani Akavod. So to Bene Yisrael, we're going to be immediately protected by the Anani Akavod. The Rashi Tevis of Nasa Sukosa is Nase. Because a massive miracle happened for Yaakov here. He was protected from Esau for the next 18 months in this area. Again, he had the Ananiya covered protecting him. According to Rashi, they must have arrived in this area right before Sukkos. Because they spent 18 months there. And 12 months of that was actual Sukkos. So it must have been around this time of Sukkos itself. I mean, that's the idea, right? Because it said 18 months, it would be spring, and then summer, and then spring. So they must ride this area sometime, I guess, right, before that time. So maybe that's a way of understanding it. Maybe it happened a little bit earlier by Pesach time, but that's the idea behind it. Swarmore says, it seems the date he met up with Esau and sent him those gifts was Yom Kippur. And the gifts that he gave him were considered the Seir Lazazel. That's a cool idea. But the Seir Lazazel, the same way that we give a gift to the Sultan, so to speak, on Yom Kippur, in order to keep him away from us and to stop his Kitrugim, that's exactly what happened here with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov didn't wish for the Kohos of Esau that, you know, who he was, sword, etc., to be with him while he was doing his Vodas Hashem. He had no desire to do that whatsoever. So therefore, what he ended up doing, it, he knew it was going to affect his Vodas Hashem. He asked Esau to leave him alone from this point forward, sending him gifts instead. He then traveled from Yom Kippur until Sukkot and celebrated Sukkot with his family in this area after being sell- saved from Esau. This was a Sukkot Shalom, and that's what it means by the Yavo Yaakov Shalem. Right when he came to that area, it was a sukkah shalom that he made for himself, knowing that he was besimcha because he didn't have to worry about Esav anymore after Yom Kippur. At the Rekanti and the Shlach Hadash also talk about this, but that's the idea that Surah Amor says. The Alkut Ruvanian number one twenty quotes the Zohar and Parsha Zamor, who says that the whole Parsha before it can be explained as Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, which is why Sukkot comes right afterward. He says the brachos were given to us on Rosh Hashanah, just like the Tekios confused the Satan, and that's the idea of behind Rosh Hashanah itself. The Aserah Zimitru was when Yaakov ran away from Esav and tried to hide. Yom Kippur was when he sent those gifts to Esav, the Seer Lazazel. Sukkot is when he left Esav for good, so he used Besimcha. He was able to leave. Now, the Shemi Shmuel explains this a bit based on the Zohar above. He says, Yaakov leaving Esav is similar to us leaving Hashem right after Yom Kippur is over. We may have been forgiven, but at the same time, we lost our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's nothing like that connection that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So granted, we're crying, we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please help us, please save us. But 
we lost that connection. That connection's never going to be the same. For that reason, we need Sukkos for Hashem to bring us into His home, protect us from the impure influences that surround us, to keep that post Yom Kippur high. A tzaddik doesn't need this sukkah as much as the Valshuva does. The Valshuva has to be careful not to fall back into sins. But a tzaddik never did anything in the first place. He doesn't need that the same way. A Valshuva needs to be careful. The tzaddik never had it. Yaakov and his family were tzaddikim, were not affected by Levin's influence. And thus, they could live in a bias without any issues. There's no reason to have that protection. They didn't need the sukkah to bring in a Kaddish Baruch Hu's, so to speak, embrace in order to keep them around. But his flocks, however, his flocks, says the Shemi Shmuel, were the neshamas of the 974 generations that were wiped out under the constant influence of Lavan. They would be the future of Klau Yisrael. These were the neshamas of Klau Yisrael in the future and the great people that were there. They needed spiritual protection. That's why Sukkos had to be given to them. So it literally was animals that got Sukkos. It was the people that got the bias because they didn't need the spiritual protection. It was the animals that did. And that's what the Sukkos were. And that's why he called the area Sukkos. He was able in this area to take everything away from Lavan, even the animals, even the animals that were under his influence. And he was able to make them all Kadosh. That showed how awesome they were. That's a really crazy Shemishmuel. But then Amunasi Techel Rav Wolfson says, why Sukkot is known as Zmanstim Chasenu? In most places, again, not in Eretisrael, but we're sitting in a Sukkot out in the cold, wet air, and it doesn't seem like we're having much fun. This is not the time of Zmanstim Chasenu. It's the time where I get seriously sick every single year by trying to sleep in the Sukkot for a few days, and I cannot handle it. So what's the Pshat behind saying Zmanstim Chasenu? He says that the word Simcha is related to the word Somech that we rely on Hashem and we know that everything is going to be all right. Simcha and Somech are together with them. I realize that a Sin and a Samach are not the same. Neither is a Ches and a Chaf. But according to Rehearsh, you can always say things that are connected phonetically. That if they sound alike, that means it's almost as if it's the same word. And the Malbim says that as well. Therefore, even though there are letters that are different, we can connect them to one another. On the other hand, Atzvah, sadness, comes from the word Ozebes, to be forsaken. We feel like we're abandoned. Avodah is called Atzabim, Atzabim, Kesev Zahav, because all the other nations feel abandoned by what they chose as their gods. They have nothing to rely on at all, but Sukkis is us relying on Hashem. Sukkis is us embracing, being embraced by the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that's the Simcha. It's the idea of Somchim, that we're Somchim and Kaddish Baruch Hu, which is why the word Sukkah is comprised of Samach and Hey and Chavav. Chavav for the shame Havaya, Samach Hey for the, letter, for the word Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. It's as if we're surrounding ourselves with Hashem, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Yud Kevav Ke Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Kaddish Baruch Hu took care of us. We're in the midbar with no shelter at all. He takes care of us. Now we sit down in our flimsy walls and the elements around us, all the, around all those people that hate us. For such people, this sukkah is considered a bias. That's the meaning of the people here. Yaakov sat in a sukkah also, but he didn't consider it a sukkah. To him it was like a bias because he had pure faith that Kaddish Baruch Hu was with him at all times. But the animals, referring to the people that are on a lower level, his children, perhaps his wives, they considered it a sukkah. It was not considered the same thing as the bias itself. That's what these sukkah refer to. Now, why does it say sukkosa in the beginning of the Pasuk and not lisukos? It should say, just simply put, the Yaakov Nasa lisukos. See, even though it means the same thing, because any hey at the end of the word means a lamed in the beginning, as Rashi says toward the beginning of Rashi's, but nonetheless, you've got to be very careful. Why does it say a hey and not a lamed? The Orachai Mekadosh suggests that it was not the name of the city until Yaakov named it there. Had it been named, had it said Lissukos, you would have indicated that the area was already called Sukos. It's not so. But then why name it Sukos for something he made for his cattle? It says this may have been the first time 
someone cared for his animals so much that he was willing to give them shelter. Since this was the first time a shepherd showed such care for his flocks, the place was named after this innovation. He cared about his cattle so much, yet he felt that there was over here. He lengthened the lives of his flocks, and he cared for them enough so that he made something for them, not just stam a gidrat zone, not just stam a refes, but actual sukos itself, says Orachayim HaKadosh, that's why he named it Sukkos. So now I have a bunch of reasons why it was named Sukkos after the animals instead of for the people itself. The Chidah adds that Yaakov showed everyone how Tzav Aleichayim was important and everyone should be careful not to give unnecessary pain to animals. No one thought of this way at the time. Yaakov's Sukkos were the sheep, not just corrals, but huts, and he made for them was such a shocker that everyone else named the area Sukkos for, for that innovative, that crazy thing that he did. Maskil David says it was simply because he arrived in the summer the first thing he made was Sukkos. But the Chassam Sover used the idea of the Chidah and the Malpim above. He says the bias is for him. He was on the Madrega to be able to be above materialistic needs, all the aesthetics that are out there. But the Mikna that he had, the family and servants, he, they weren't on that level. Similar to what Amunasi Techa said above, what Revolfson said is same there. They needed Sukkos. He had to bring them along slowly. For them, he needed to have money and flocks. Yaakov was willing to help them. He brought himself down a notch to give them what they needed. Thus, the area was called Sukkos. Their Madrega not his. This is the reason why Yaakov was punished later in parts by Yeshev when Bikesh Yaakov Yeshev Shalva. He had no way to do such a thing. He chose to live in this world, right? If, if you, when you're living in this world, you have no choice to be able to try to get out of it. You're here. You have to do what you need. When he tried doing so and tried chilling out, so to speak, he was immediately punished with Rosal Shiloh. So there's a Sfasemis in Tafresh now, Nun Dalit, that talks about this as well. And there's another Sfasemis in Tafresh Nun Gimel. It says that Avram called the Makoma Mikdash Ahar. Yitzhak called it a sada. Yaakov called it a bias. And therefore, this passage indicates that Yaakov's avoda at this moment was to build the future based on Mikdash. That's the bias. Avram started it by spreading monotheism. That was the mountain. He was able to be the mountain for everybody to look to, that he was the one who was able to spread everything out there. Yitzchak continued by planting the seeds and allowing it to grow. That's a field. He continued the job of Avram. But Yaakov's job was to build the actual house without any cracks in the wall. His house is the Shabbos to the days of the week. The days of the week are the mountains, Tosefes Shabbos are the fields, and Shabbos is the actual house that we have during the week. He was able to use this Shlemus as an Adam and transfer it to the animals who would need to be brought to a higher level. That's what he was doing, working on bringing them up to the highest level possible by making them Sukkos and allowing that to be a bias for them. That's an unreal Svasemis. I could probably give an entire share just on this Svasemis, but such an unbelievable Svasemis and how we can look at the Makam Mikdash. The Benishkain Adar Zelio says he was building the third base of Mikdash, which represents him. First base when it was Avramino, and because Yishmal came out, therefore it was destroyed because of Shrikh's Dhamma Vodazar Gilearais, which was the Mesachik as Yitzchak. Right? Second base of Mikdash was Yitzchak Vinu. That's why Esav was the destruction of that base of Mikdash because he was the one who had Sinas Chinam for his brother, and not Sinas Chinam, but Sinas for his brother. The third one is Yaakovinu, says Adaris Elio, says the Benishchai, this is the third base of Mekdash. Therefore, we called it a Sukkah, which again, Chavvav Hashem Avaya, Samachay is Aleph Dalvin Nun Yud. Ula Mikneyu is the Gematria 232. That's the four Miluim of the Shem Avaya. That if we spell out the word Yud Hey and then Vav and Hey, you come out with 45. 52, 63, and 72. And although this is not the time right now, it refers to those types of shamos, that's the idea of what it was. 45 plus 52 plus 73, 72 plus 63 is 232. Putting those names together with all the combinations will allow the third base of Mikdash to be built. So there's many shchai, the sukkah shalom that's going to be able to protect us all. The hint here, says the Kedush is that every single person has a spark of Kedusha that no one else has from the Avos. 
That's the bias the one has to build for himself. We're building a bias which is set in one's heart. You have that need to Tzakadusha inside there. Everything you do with that spark of Kedusha is called Miknehu. That's what it is, says the Kedusha Rim. Unfortunately, it's very easy to lose that Kedusha. It's, it needs a lot of protection. That's how you make Sukkos for your Miknehu. Sukkos for your Kedusha so that it never gets lost. The Meashilach, the Ishbitzer says a person should always try to figure out why he has the Kedusha that he has. Why he's called the child of Shem. What do you have that a Kedush Baruch wants you in the world for? What do you do? That's awesome when it comes to that. You should not just rely on that schosavos. You should figure out what your avoda is. Yaakovina was constantly trying to find his place in the world. He wouldn't rely on his tremendous schosavos that he had from Avram Yitzchak, which is why he built for himself a house, but then made Sukkos to get even more from it. Because this is the real avoda his whole life, the area was named after Sukkos, because that was the ichor for him. Belzer Rabbah says the difference between the bias and the Sukkos is hinted in the wording before each thing was made. By the word bias, it says by even low bias. Because when you do something for Hashem, you need it to be built in order for it to be something fantastic. You shouldn't rely on what you have in front of you. Constantly strive, work to get more and more. That's how to make a huge Kedusha building. It's by even low bias. When it comes to your physicality, your Gashmias, then it's okay to have Sukkos. Work on finding the Kedusha within everything Gashmi. Make it into something greater than it actually is. Hence the word Asa. So by even low bias, build up what you need to do in order to build what you need for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Strive to get more and more. Make the huge Kedusha building. Make the towers in the heavens that are based on real stuff on the bottom foundations on the ground when it comes to your gashmias that's sukkahs you just make it's asa lo sukkahs it's asa make it into your olam haba recreate your olam haza into something even more awesome that's how the Belzer Rebbe understands it the Zohar says after he had given everything to Esau he was only left with one little female lamb he gave everything else he owned to Esau the camels and the donkeys and the sheep and the goats and the cows. He gave everything but one little female lamb. He loved it so much he made a sukkah for it during the day and another one at night to sleep in. And that's the two sukkos that he made a house for it during the day and a thing at night. From this lamb came all the subsequent riches and all the other sheep and lambs and everything else and everything else he got from one little lamb. That's the Zohar. And when Yisitecha says, Yaakov knew that the future in Hashem was a Klaiso or hidden within these sheep. He did everything he could to give them what they needed to be successful in the future. Thus, by even Lopayas means he built up Klaiso. Therefore, for his Mikne, he made sukkahs for them to be protected. And it all refers to what's going to happen to Klaiso in the future. So we went through a bunch of things here. Number one, we went through the idea of the Malvim, etc., and the Chassam Sofer as the deal that he had with Esav and how he knocked it out and said, no, 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 that's not what I want. I don't want anything in Olam Hazah. We talked about Rashi. We asked the questions of Rashi from the Mizrahi and the Bear Basada, and we answered with the Gurarye and another Bear Basada to try to understand exactly what happened over here. We talked about the place, where it was, was it something there before? We talked about the house, what kind of a house it was. We gave a couple answers to that. Then we talked about why he's naming it for his animals themselves and why he waited all this time to go back to his father Yitzchak. What happened that made him go back? We talked about the connection with Sukkot itself, with Anani Akavod. We talked about Zman Sim Chasenu and why it's called Zman Sim Chasenu and more than that. We talked about the reason why from the Orachai Akadosh, which continued what we said above. And then we brought down the Svastemis, which is the unbelievable Svastemis about the base of Mikdash being called a Hara Sada and a Bias. And a couple of things at the end from the Chidusha and the Meshulaf, the Belzer Rebbe, and the Zora and the Rev Have a good Shabbos, everyone. Hope everything's good.